Greetings and welcome back to Shnoyim Mikra, the series sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted at OU.org, in which we examine in each podcast one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I have enjoyed studying Parshat Mishpatim with you during the course of this week. And we're now looking at the final aliyah, uh, which continues at the beginning with the theme of the blessing that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave after the uh, all the laws were given. Lot, uh, Lot begins at... Perak Chavgimah Pasuk Chavav, chapter 23, verse 26 of Sefer Shmot. Lotiyem Meshakelav Akara Biyatzecha. There will be no one who uh, loses their children or who has no children in your land. A great blessing. This invokes and reminds us of the great blessing during Sefer Breshit of children. I will send my fear before you, and I will kill all the nation that you you come to, meaning the nation of Canaan. And all of your enemies will show their back of their neck to you, meaning they'll run away. And the hornet will come in front of you. They will chase away those three nations from the land. But I won't chase them away right away. Why? What happens when there is a sudden plague and lots of people die is suddenly the wild animals take over. So they, they, the people have to die off slowly. That, of course, leaves us with a great challenge, which is to maintain vigilance against copying their ways. I'm going to send them away slowly until you become plentiful enough and conquer and uh, inherit the land. This, of course, takes us back to the second famous promise of Sefer Breshit, which is the land. And now the two are tied together, uh, the promise of lots of children and those lots of children who will then inherit and settle the land. I'm going to set up your boundary. Uh, this is from Yamsuf, the Reed Sea, wherever that may be. Yam Plishtim, Yam Plishtim is another name for Yamagadol, the Mediterranean. Midbar Ad Hanahar. Hanahar is generally assumed to be the Euphrates. I will give the people who live in the land in your hands, and you will exile them. You will banish them from the land. These are what is referred to as the Gvulot Havtacha. The borders, which are the great promise to Avraham, which do not have halachic impact, at least until such a time that the more narrow borders, which the borders of Yehoshua, are properly conquered. Uh, and as I mentioned, there is a great danger in keeping them around for a while because they, you might want to make a covenant with them. Don't make a covenant with them or their gods. Can't live in, let, live in the land. They might cause you to sin to me. <coughs> you will, if you worship their gods, then that will be a trap for you. All right, that is the end of the blessing. And again, the first part was in the sixth aliyah, and now we have it here in the seventh aliyah. And then we have this next passage. So we have to roll back to the end of Parshat Yitro to see the confluence of events. In Parak Yud Tet, which was the central Parak of Parshat Yitro, uh, B'nai Yisrael uh, are invited to participate in the Brit, and uh, they agree to do so, and they come close to the mountain. In Parakhaf, of course, God speaks to them directly, whether they heard all ten, or they heard the first two, or they heard clear messages or unclear messages. The Midrashim are in conflict about this. The Rishonim are in conflict about this. But the critical point of departure is really right after that. 
Immediately after the Aserat Dibrot, the, the Decalogue, Akodesh Baruch, the Pnei Yisrael say to Moshe, "We are afraid. You go close and speak to God, and you tell us what He says. We are afraid. We're afraid we're going to die if He speaks to us directly." And so at that point, Moshe goes into a cloud, Asher Sham Elohim, which covers the mountain. Which means he has not gone to the top of the mountain; he has gone into the cloud covering the mountain. And Moshe gets several mitzvot at the end of, of Parshat Yitro, which is the about the Mizbeach, and then Ve'ela Mishpatim, with which we started our first podcast. Then, at this point, we pick it up, so it means that everything, if we follow chronologically like the Ramban, the sequencing, and there's no reason not to here, then that means that everything that was promised, uh, and all the laws that were given, and all of these promises, everything, are given while Moshe is at the foot of the mountain, while the people are waiting outside to hear what HaKadosh Baruch Hu has said further. And now, So now, Moshe said, come up to Hashem, meaning, now come up to the mountain. It's unclear why Nadav and Avihu were selected. Were they, was it because half of our own sons? Is it because, it's unclear. If it had been Nadav, we'd understand the Bechor. If it was none of them, we'd understand that. If it was all four of them, we'd understand that. But you, Aharon, and two of his sons come up. We already find, and this is the first point that we find, a collection of 70 elders uh, that are helping Moshe with the leadership. That, of course, becomes a prominent piece in Parshat Pahlotcha, but that is months away. Um, and you will come up the mountain and all bow down from a distance. And Moshe alone will come up to Hashem. And none of them will go up further. And the nation doesn't come up. So we've got three groups. The nation stays down. The elders and Aaron and his sons come up part way. They all bow down to Moshe. And Moshe comes up all the way. And then what? So Moshe did not do this immediately. He went out of the cloud. And he did exactly what the nation had asked for, which was, tell us what Hashem has commanded. And he told them, notice he told them all of the laws and all of the mishpatim. This takes us back to Parshat Mishpatim. And they all spoke with one voice and said, whatever Hashem said, we will do. We are committing to that. And now, and this is the first thing that we find written down of Torah. It called Adonai, he writes down all of Hashem's words, which seems to mean everything from Parak Yotet, perhaps, where Hashem invites them to a Brit, and the Aserat Dibrot, and the Mishpatim, and the laws between Aserat Dibrot and the Mishpatim. And he gets up the next morning, and then he built a Mizbeach. There's going to be a ceremony here. Builds a Mizbeach at the foot of the mountain, which he has still not ascended. For the last time in history, we find a proper matseva. You know, that Yaakov built four matsevot. And anybody interested, read Joshua, Dr. Rabbi Dr. Joshua Berman's article on it. It's a fantastic piece on the four matsevot of Yaakov. I believe it's available in English. Also go to Yeshivat Haritzion's, uh, virtual Beit Midrash website. Look in the archives and you'll find it. It's well worth your time. And in it, he addresses the issue of the matsevot here. But remember, in Parshat Shoftim, Hashem says you're not allowed to build a matseva. Hashem rejects the matseva. But here Moshe builds 12 matsevot. That's very easy. That corresponds to the tribes. Na'arei Israel. Na'arei Israel is an interesting term 
Famously, uh, there was a Sefer Torah found in the Azara, in which instead of Na'arim, it said Za'atutim. It's called Sefer Za'atutim. Look at the Sifri and in Zotah Bracha and the word Ma'ona, you'll see what I'm referring to. Vaishlachet Na'are B'nei Yisrael, Vayalu Olot, Vayizbuchuz Vachim Shlomim L'Adonai Parim. And they brought Olot, these young men brought Olot, and they brought Shlomim, uh, which were cows. So now what do you do when you do a korban? You shecht it, and the dam goes on the mizbeach. Moshe took half of the dam, he put them in cups, he put the other half on the mizbeach, as is the proper thing with a korban. Now what is sefer habrit? Evidently it's the scroll that he had written with all of the words of Hashem on it. So now they had already heard these words, but now he's reading it from a written text. And now two of the most famous words in the Torah, everything that Hashem has said, although for Drush, there is lots written here about first we'll do it, then we'll understand it, then we'll study it, we'll accept it, even though we don't understand it, but that's not really what the words mean, means we will do it, and we will obey it. Hashem means to obey them and to be committed to them. Indeed, the word mishmat means discipline. Now remember, he had half the blood in the cups in the aganot. He threw he threw it on the people. Many of you were shown to mean uh, understand that that means he threw it on the twelve uh, steels that represented the tribes. Here is the dam habrit, the brit that Hashem has cut with you, made with you, about all of these matters. Okay. And now, the command given earlier is done. Moshe and Aaron and two of his sons and the seventy elders all go up. They saw some vision of God. And beneath his feet, beneath the Kisei HaKavod, as it were, um, they saw... Uh, a like a pure sapphire and like the purity of heavens. Hashem did not hurt these nobles of B'nai Israel. The implication is they should have been hurt for sitting and gazing at Hashem. Right, that they gazed at, God, at, at Hashem and they ate, they celebrated. Now what they eat, perhaps the korbanot, and perhaps this is as some of the Amoraim understood, meaning that they were gazing at the Shekhinah, and it was like that was their soul food, if you will. Now, now that Moshe is at the foot of the mountain, uh, they've gone now up a little bit of the ways. They, they did the ceremony outside, then they went into the cloud covering the mountain, and uh, and went up part of the ways. And Hashem says to Moshe, Come up to the mountain and be there. I'm going to give you tablets. And the Torah, the instruction and the mitzvah that I have written. So in other words, I'm going to give you a written piece. Does that mean that all of the things that Hashem had told Moshe earlier are now going to be in a written form? Confirming Moshe's writing them down in Sefer Abrit? Does it mean that there will be more mitzvot given on top of the mountain? We don't know yet. And now Yoshua Mishartho. Yoshua shows up for the first time since the war against the Malik. Yoshua was never mentioned as having to come up here, but now Yoshua comes up and he's the highest up the mountain besides Moshe. Moshe said to this kinim, which includes 
uh, our own sons, said, you stay here until we return, which sounds very much like Avraham's words to the Na'arim when he went to the Akedah with Yitzchak. Aaron and Hur are with you. Anybody who has a dispute, let them go to them. They will settle it. In other words, you have experts among you. And now Moshe went up, and now another cloud covered the mountain. And now the cloud covered the mountain for six days. So now Hashem summons Moshe on the seventh day. So Moshe is waiting outside for six days, a cloud covering the mountain, and Hashem then summons him in on the seventh day. Now from the outside, what does it look like? What do B'nai Israel see? They see a fire consuming on top of the mountain. In the meantime, Moshe went in. Moshe was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. It's a very famous piece. One thing to pay attention to here is that the mountain was on fire. The fire was consuming the mountain. And yet Moshe walked into the fire. We can understand why B'nai Israel thought that something had happened to Moshe, because uh, normally people would die. And this takes us back to the very beginning of Sefer Shmot, when Moshe was... Uh, at the snat, the bush. And Hashem said to him, Parakimel Pasuk Yodbet, chapter 3, verse 12, Hashem said to him, What is the sign that I have indeed sent you? And then, this is, this is the sign that I have indeed sent you. And then he said, And the Mepharshim are all over the place and trying to understand, uh, there's an interesting article written a number of years ago in the Gadim by a brilliant woman, Tamar Verdiger, assessing all the opinions and presenting her own. I'd like to suggest a different one is that this, the bush, is the sign that I've sent you. Meaning, when you take the people out, you're going to worship Hashem on this mountain, and when you're worshiping Hashem on this mountain, you're going to be the bush. People are going to see you walking into a fire and you will not be consumed. So the sign of the of the oat the oat that is given there is really an oat that Moshe himself personifies here at this critical stage of Matan Torah, after the Decalogue, after Sefer Abrit, before Hashem uh, gives Moshe the uh, commands that he's going to give on top of the mountain. Okay, we will uh, wish everyone a wonderful Shabbat. I hope that as a result of these podcasts, the study of Parshat Mishpatim will be enhanced this Shabbat, and we will see you in a couple of weeks when we come together to study Parshat Kitisa. But of course, Shnai Mikra continues every week. Stay tuned. Shabbat Shalom.